Welcome to Mulready Minutes with Oklahoma Insurance Commissioner Glenn Mulready. This is a podcast about insurance for insurance folks, risk managers, and business leaders. We'll dive deep and look at what is and isn't working, talk to leaders in the industry, and keep you informed on what's happening in Oklahoma and around the country. Welcome to another Mulready Minute podcast. We have a special guest today, uh, an old friend of mine, actually, Zach and Zach is the executive director of the Healthy Minds Initiative. Mm-hmm. And um, as you might imagine, his organization is focused on uh, public policy having to do with uh, behavioral health and mental health uh, issues. And so uh, looking forward to this conversation. It's a really hot topic uh, right now, um, not in a positive way, right? We've just got, we've got a lot going on um, in that space and a lot more evidence sort of for post-pandemic, I guess I might tie it to, but we'll hear from you about that a little later. But um, I will read just quickly, uh, with over a decade of dedicated experience delving into public policy in Oklahoma, Zach is a seasoned professional with passion for advancing community well-being in his role at Healthy Minds. He orchestrates a dedicated team overseeing comprehensive data analysis, examining best practices, and assessing community needs. This invaluable work informs and shapes state and local policy dialogues related to mental health and substance use disorders. Welcome, Zach. Good to be with you. Uh, as I said, we go back um, a number of years, even prior to Healthy Minds. Uh, I've, I've known Zach back when I was younger and you weren't a dad at that right. time. Right? <laughs> it's good to have you with us. Um, so tell us about Healthy Minds and what you guys do. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Commissioner. I'm really glad to be here as well. And uh, you say seasons professional. And my wife recently pointed out I have gray in my beard now. So that's <laughs> starting that's to happen. I guess. Yeah, that's from. where the seasoning is. <laughs> Yeah, makes it all better, right? So, yeah, Healthy Minds Policy Initiative, we were launched in 2019 by the Ann and Henry Zero Foundation. Uh, our mission is to end untreated mental illness in Oklahoma through policy and practice transformation. And that's a big mission. That's a big deal when over the last few years, one in two of us has had a mental illness or a substance use disorder of some kind. So we have no qualms in saying that's an audacious goal, but we think it can be done. Yeah. And so we have worked closely with you at the insurance department, mm-hmm. trying to identify some of the problems and, and especially with the interaction with insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um, we might talk briefly about the Mental Health Parity uh, Act and, and um, what that means, what it does, and maybe some of the struggles that you have seen or, or problems that you've seen out there in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, this is a this stems from really historical stigma and, and no malicious intent on anyone's in, on anyone's part. But, you know, we come from a history here on the mental health side where the medical science considered this to be a pseudoscience. It's not like a broken bone where you can look at it and say, okay, I see the broken bone or I see that there's bleeding happening and we can fix it. This is almost sort of a subjective conversation. At least it was in the past and now it's not anymore. The science is caught up to this. You know, we can now measure your blood and, and draw your blood and see air bubbles in your blood can del- tell you whether you have schizophrenia or not. We can do brain scans that show areas of your brain that are functioning or not. So mental health is now as science as much as physical health is a science. And the way that we have structured payment systems, insurance, private, public, really stems from those days when it wasn't a science. So there's not a great criteria by which an objective observer can say, you have this mental health condition, and therefore I'm going to apply this treatment to it. Now there is, but in the past there wasn't. So we've got to catch up. And that, and, and we are, and we've made great strides, I think, in Oklahoma and as a nation as a whole. So mental health parity was signed into law by President Bush in 2008 and has been affirmed ever since by every presidential administration on both sides. 
Um, and in 2017, President Trump said that this is a this is a solution to the opioid crisis that we have in America mm-hmm. is mental health parity and state level mental health parity in particular. And the idea is that you or I as healthcare consumers should face no greater barrier to receiving mental health care as trying to receive physical health care. And unfortunately, because of these historical stigmas that have existed in the way that we've developed these systems, barriers do exist on the mental health side that do not exist on the physical health care side. And I'm happy to talk about some of those. Yeah. And I think you just you just said a word that caught my ear, and that was stigma. So it's not just the science and identifying which part of that, or but it's also that, that stigma. Like, you know, historically, no one's going to hesitate to say, I broke my arm. <laughs> I went to the doctor. I went to the hospital. Got it set yesterday. But there is a stigma to I'm I'm you know having some mental health issues right now, or I'm battling substance abuse. There's just a stigma with that that has has to evolve, and it is slowly evolving, but but slowly. And who's the who's the demographic most likely to die by suicide in America? Do you know? I, I would say it's young people, aged twenty. Not true. It's middle-aged men. It's middle-aged white men. And the idea is that we as a culture have created a situation where men don't ask for help. It is a stigmatized thing to ask for help. We're supposed to be strong and be able to handle it ourselves. And so that sort of pervasive culture exists really in every demographic, but especially among uh, middle-aged men. And that's stigma. I mean, that that is, I don't want to admit that I have a problem. That is, when when data tell us that you are less likely to get substance use treatment for an addiction that you have because you're afraid what your friends or family would think if you started seeking treatment, mm-hmm. that's a problem and that's a that's a stigma. Why is that a problem? Well, why is it better for you to go on and living in your addiction, causing all the damage in your relationships that that causes, but keeping that a secret from your friends and family is a preferable solution to getting treatment? I mean, that's the situation that we're in. Yeah. No, I think you mentioned some hurdles. Uh, or that in that, and so you, that you might touch on. Maybe you could talk about that now. Some of the hurdles that are in the way. So. Yeah, absolutely. So we all know we don't have enough behavioral health providers. There's a chicken or egg situation there. Um, the data will tell us that behavioral health providers receive about 27 percent less reimbursement payment from payers than physical health care providers for similar services. So a preventative therapy visit versus a preventative physical health visit, you get less as a behavioral health provider. And we wonder why we don't have enough behavioral health providers. Uh, you'll have situations where the criteria that a, that an insurer may use to determine whether something, a treatment is medically appropriate, actually differs on the mental health side compared to the physical health side. And it differs to the detriment of the mental health side, which means your claim might be denied more often on the mental health side than on the physical health care side because of the way and the processes the, as they are applied on the insurance side. And that's where it gets really nitty-gritty and wonky from a policy perspective, and that's where it gets really hard to do mental health parity. And people ask me all the time, well, why are we not, why don't we have parity? It was passed in 2008. Why do we not have it? Because you just heard me try to describe it to you and probably everybody listening and their eyes glazed over. Because this stuff is hard and it's complicated and it's proprietary um, from an insurance company standpoint. Um, the decisions that you make, it's the product. You're not going to share it with the world. And so this stuff is very hard. Yeah. And I think Earlier you said one in one in two, right? I mean, basically half fifty percent. Um, but if I recall correctly, I want to say was it twenty seven percent or what that number is of those that actually seek treatment mm. for that? Is that those accurate numbers? Say roughly? that again. I'm sorry. There. Well, fifty percent or half one in mm. two have have some sort of mental health issue, but only half of those are uh, seek treatment for that. Yes, yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to say I saw 27% somewhere. Yeah. Um, so we did work with you on sort of that network issue. Mm-hmm. You talked about providers and adequacy. And tell me about what you found in that study. You guys did a study. Sure. So. Yeah, we had heard for years at Healthy Minds that people were having a hard time getting coverage, um, getting a provider through their network coverage. And, you know, this had sort of bothered us for a number of years because we never figured out a way to put data to this. So at one point we said, you know, let's just call the providers on the directory. So we we brought in our team and we looked at we looked at who's on the directories that you and I would get if we call our insurance company and said, tell tell me who's in my network. Mm -hmm. And and we did that in representative zip codes, three urban zip codes, three suburban zip codes and three rural zip codes. And what we found, we called about 160 providers. And what we found is we can only reach about 35 percent of them via phone called multiple times, um, 65% of them either didn't answer or the phone line was disconnected. You got a beep, beep, beep. Or they answered and the provider that was listed was deceased. That happened a couple of times. And so what we found is that the directories that we're receiving from the companies were not adequately updated. Um, they were a substantial barrier. They were a reason why individuals were saying, I'm having to wait multiple months or I can't find somebody or I have to go out of network. And as you know, if you go out of network, you're going to have to pay a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, than the, the plan that you're you're paying for would cover. And so we found that um, it was, I think, about half of those that we could reach were scheduling six months out or, or later. Uh, and so we said that's, that's probably not okay for Oklahomans in this time of mental health crisis. We worked with the legislature and the insurance industry and cooperatively with both and said, you know, is there a way that we can ensure that these directories are more accurate? Um, and so we agreed to a more frequent auditing of those ne- of those network directories and some stricter requirements around accuracy. And we also looked at, you know, OK, so if, if an individual has to go out of network because there is just no in-network provider, that's not the individual's fault. If you're paying for a plan that supposedly has network providers and nobody can get you in in under six months. You know, what do you do? So we, again, worked with legislature and the insurance industry and said, if then you go through your insurer and you ask them to help you find a provider and they are unable to find a provider for you in a reasonable amount of time in their network, they will pay network rate cost sharing for an out of network provider for you, meaning no greater expense to the consumer out of pocket. Yeah. So, you know, as silly as that may sound, just keeping a directory up to date. But it's, I think, another example of sort of the mental health side of the equation being neglected for lack of a better word. Um, and that was just passed this past legislative session, correct? It, it went in effect November 1. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Zach, if you were to speak to a, a consumer, someone that maybe is is watching this, when it comes to this uh, mental health crisis that we're in the middle of and substance abuse, what's the message to the consumer uh, out there? Well, I think on one, you know, the message is we understand that dealing with insurance is hard. Nobody wants to deal with insurance. Um, and that's why, except, insur- me. except <laughs> you, that's, that's why you have that job. You know, and that's why when you, if you were to pull a random group of population of, of Oklahomans or Americans generally and say, would you, do you like your insurance company? The answer is always no. You know, it's very low. But the reality is these are difficult bureaucracies. And, and um, you know, we pay for this service and, and there are well-meaning people on the insurance side that want to get you help. And so it's going to take a little bit of work on your part. Call your insurance company. People don't call their insurance companies, you know. I mean, you, just, you get a denial and you just go along about your day and you try mm-hmm. to find another. Just call them and, and talk to them about your problem. Half the time, your issue will get fixed then. And if you can't work through, through your insurance company, call the Oklahoma Insurance Department, mm-hmm. and they can help you navigate that at that point. So make sure that you are your own advocate in getting your care. That's the number one message. Yeah, advocate. Uh, and so I will take that chance for my own commercial. But um, we are there to help. Consumer assistance, one 800 522 
0071. Our website is oid.ok.gov. You've had a claim denied. You don't think it should be or you're having issues. You just have questions about your mental health benefits and your plan. You can contact our consumer assistance area. So let me flip that coin for a minute, Zach. You have a minute to talk directly to insurance companies out there. A lot of insurance industry watch this podcast, believe it or not. <laughs> but what would your message to insurance companies be on this issue? Well, my message is we're grateful for you that you've worked with us over the last several years on, on dealing with these difficult topics. But but number two, you know, we, we need you. You cover more lives than Medicaid and Medicare in, in the state of Oklahoma. More Oklahomans get their care through you as an insurance company than any other place. And, and so we need you to do the extra work in making sure that your processes are equal for mental health and physical health. We need you because this costs, this saves you money. The more we can get mental health care earlier, the less money you have to spend on treatment later. I mean, there is information out there about heart disease, which is the number one driver of health care costs, chronic health care costs in America. Treating somebody for heart disease costs three times more if an individual has an under or undiagnosed mental health, undiagnosed mental health condition. That's staggering. So if you're able to diagnose early and treat a mental health condition, your chances of saving money on that patient go substantially more in the future. So do that work. We just have to be very, very intentional about it. Yeah. Great, great message. Okay, Zach, as we wrap up, though, what, what, what haven't I asked? What else do we need to get out there? Uh, well, there, there is a reality that, that we would point to that is we don't have enough mental health professionals in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, we've recently produced some research that uh, we have about 30% of the psychologists that we need in the state. We have a little under 40% of the psychiatrists that we need in the state. Our organization has proposed a roadmap to the Oklahoma legislature, about $36 million in spending that we could do this year alone to, within the next five to 10 years, bring Oklahoma's behavioral health workforce up to the national average. This is a transformational, generational legacy type of thing. If we could do that this year, we could solve a generation worth of problems in this state and really get people care. And so that would be done, $36 million mentioned, but is that through um, student um, funds, student loans, or grants, or what's that look like? Yeah. What's the proposition? We would be funding things like residency programs so that psychiatrists in training could do their residencies in Oklahoma, and we know that means they'll stay in practice stay. in Oklahoma. We can do loan repayment. We can do scholarships. We can do these things that strengthen these programs, and we've targeted a proposal to the need. So we have sixty set. We we only have about sixty seven percent of the social workers that we need. There's some things that we can do to get it up to hundred percent. And these these professions that we've looked at. So we've really targeted a strategic investment here. Got it. And is that something you'll be pushing this legislative session? It is. Okay. Good. We'll be cheering you on. Thanks. With that. So with that, Zach, thank you for coming on and joining us and educating us a little bit more on the mental health um, crisis that's happening out there, and specifically to Oklahoma and how we can uh, help impact that. So appreciate your time. Thanks. Okay, well, that about wraps up our uh, latest Mulready Minute podcast with Zach Stoikoff from Healthy Minds uh, Initiative, and uh, we will look for you next time. If you found this episode informative, please subscribe and share with your colleagues. Visit oid.ok.gov slash podcast. Let us know what topics you would like to hear about on this podcast. Until next time, take care from the Oklahoma Insurance Department.